Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this day for creating us to be unique within your creation. Lord, that you have created us in your image. We would ask this day, as we dig deep into what that means for our life, that you would break your word small, fit for our consumption. In your name we pray this. Amen. Occasionally, as we look at the readings, it is increasingly difficult to pick a text to preach on that may not raise the hair on the back of some of our necks. And that's not to say that we take the easy way out, but it's more to say that sometimes the text presents us with things that are difficult. Imagine that. That the Bible actually confronts us as the Word of God with things that may be in confliction with the world around us, that may even make us uncomfortable. This morning, I would invite you to turn your attention to our second reading today from 1 Timothy. Paul writes this letter to Timothy with the intention of both discipling and encouraging him. Timothy, as a young man, has been given the enormous task of serving as a pastor within the Lord's church. And while he had spent time learning with and from Paul, he has been sent out on his own. So Paul begins with that which makes us one and then dives deep into that which first divided us. If you take a look all the way back at Genesis 3, the stage is set for a lifetime of conflict within creation. And so much so that not only do we stand in confliction with one another, but we actually stand in confliction and conflict with creation and the Creator Himself. And Paul makes no bones about this. He begins by saying, first of all, then, I urge that all supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Now, up to this point, this sounds fantastic. But then as we get a few verses down, in verse 8 he says, I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. 
Likewise, also, that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Now, at this point, all of the men typically are kind of sitting rather comfortably while the women are kind of gritting their teeth. The reality is, is that this is a text that is abused, it is ignored, misunderstood, and overstated. It is countercultural, absolutely offensive, and yet still God-breathed as Scripture. It is law-bound and gospel-oriented. And this passage is well worth our time, our wrestling, and our reflecting. See, this isn't the only time that Paul talks in this way. And if you take these passages straight out of context and only in isolation, Paul sounds like this chauvinist pig, this misogynist. Women should be beneath men and barefoot and pregnant and in the kitchen, where they belong. And I'm glad I'm seeing some laughter at that because that is a joke. But we take this so far out of context when we talk about the roles and unique responsibilities between men and women as God ordained, and we take it to a point where the man is the head of the house, and I make a decision and you follow it, woman, and you don't dare question that decision. is a reality. And to be very frank and honest, we need to reframe the way that we look at passages like this and others alongside it. You see, Paul states the obvious at the very end of this passage, and he says, for Adam was formed first, and then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Now that's not to say that Adam is innocent. And in fact, it's actually to imply that he has an even greater guilt than we typically ascribe to him. That in other words, he was not 
deceived, but rather disobeyed God with his eyes wide open. We have an identity issue. A crisis, in fact, when we forget our order of creation. And the way that this typically comes up within the Christian conversation, it's usually in the context of LGBT, gay marriage, women's ordination, all of the hot-button issues that we kind of just leave in the realm of the ELCA so that we can sit comfortably back in the Missouri Synod and say, we've solved that problem. The Book of Concord says, but this is a point in Scripture where it's not just the intangible reality that Christ came to die and rise so that his people would have forgiveness and new life, but also this real actual thing called life together where we engage in the messiness and we actually have to deal with the baggage of those around us but we forget our order of creation that we are first created in the image of God Before any other divisions, we are created in the image of God, unique from any other creature anywhere in creation. And then secondly, set apart from animals as humankind, And then, thirdly, as man or woman. The identity that defines us is not the categories and boxes beneath it. When we stand before God on Judgment Day, He doesn't say, Well, all the men on this side and all the women on this side and men, you drive the car and women, you sit in the back. Instead, he says, Hey, sheep, come here. And goats, you come over here. Because he sees us first. In his image as we have been recreated and born anew by baptism. But the validity and importance and understanding how and why men and women are and should be different is not mitigated or lost. Men are called to be men, and women are called to be women. The 
the order of creation. Between Adam and Eve is about the unique roles each were given in their creation. It wasn't about Adam's dominion over the earth and his domination over his wife. See, in fact, it's something unique that God had to place Adam into a deep enough sleep to remove one of his ribs so that he could then shape Eve out of it. In other words, they are bound together in a way that no other element of creation is. But we spend more time trying to be defined by what we are not than we do by what we are. I am not anti-feminist. I am not a misogynist. Whatever the label might be that we like to distance ourselves from, it does not matter what we are not when we lose sight of what we are. Paul spells this out well for Timothy. As he begins this passage, and he begins in verse 3, and he says... God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself up as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this... I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. Not so that Paul could come and say, well, women, you should sit in submissiveness. And what this actually means, by the way, is that in those days when it talks about the way that women would adorn themselves with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire. This was a means by which they communicated to those around them that they were available, that they were promiscuous. It was an exhibition of their freedom as a woman to do as they wished, as though they were men. Because men were held to a different level of accountability. See, socially it was acceptable within Greek and Roman culture for men to have more than one sexual partner. Now, it wasn't necessarily okay and certainly Paul has issue with that as well. But it was not 
held to the same standard for women. So for a man's wife to display herself in such a fashion that she was available for the company of other men was something that Paul would say, no, 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 no. You've missed the point here. And actually, he's kind of calling men out. Men, why don't you have a greater voice? And the are versus the are not conversation. Nothing is more important than the identity that we are given in the image of God. So for this reason, Paul says men should pray. Because when we pray, we model this reliance upon God for providing everything that we require in life. We actually say, God, I cannot do this on my own. Help me. Give me direction. Guide me in the way that you would have me go. And to do so in peace without quarreling. You see, this is the heart of biblical manhood. That as we walk, we do so reliant on God to provide. Not alone and certainly not by our own strength. But then he goes on to say women should do the same without changing lanes, right? You've seen the road sign where as you're kind of going down the road and you get to something, and for whatever reason it says, no changing lanes. Stay in your own lane. Here Paul says, stay in your lane. You see, the heart of biblical womanhood is dependence upon God. As he provides for all of our needs. But here, strength is in submission in restraint, in holding back. That neither should abdicate the unique responsibilities and roles that we have as men and women. You see, Eve might have been the one that was deceived, but Adam let her down. He wasn't deceived He knew better and allowed himself to be persuaded to transgress by his passion for his wife. He was blind, but he wasn't ignorant. And as Eve was created to be Adam's helpmate and his ally, she lets him down. 
deceived by the allure of exchanging her role with another. But then Paul goes on, and in the last verse of this chapter, he says, Yet she, woman, Eve, will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. And again, you pull this out of context and you're thinking, this is right back where we started. And yet, throughout Scripture, there is a high regard that God has for women. So much so that in this scandal of particularity, as he sends his son, he does so to be born of a woman. So that we would be saved as a people through her childbearing, as the God-bearer. And yet still one of us. So stay in your lane. As difficult as it is, embrace the unique and irreplaceable voices and vocations that God has given you within the roles of creation as man and woman where neither is the weaker or the stronger sex, and where God calls us to depend upon him to provide for all that we need, so that he alone gets the glory now and forevermore. Amen.